Yes, yes, Yawataguan, young infinite beings. This is Baraka Blue, and you are tuned in to Path and Present. Well, this podcast is a special one. I sat with my longtime friend, Jamil Suleiman. I've known this dude for many, many years, and he is a rapper. He is a poet. He is a activist. But I would say above and beyond all of that, he is a trickster. You know, he is the trickster character. That's the archetype in many stories, you know, the court jester. But the thing about the court jester is he's not a clown because a court jester will say things and expose the the truths about the, the king that other people couldn't say without getting their head cut off. You know, there's something about comedy which disarms and allows us to speak about the harsh and true realities of life. And uh, he's a funny dude, genuinely a funny dude. But recently, I think maybe, I don't know, six months ago, um, I was online and I saw a post in, in a local Seattle newspaper, which had my friend Jamil uh, dressed up as Jesus Christ himself. (laughs) And it said something about uh, Seattle Jesus is Muslim and is brown. I mean, and so I'm like, okay, you know, but I read it and it's it's, it's a real interesting piece. So I was like, man, I got to talk to this dude because then I saw multiple other articles about it and I hadn't talked to him personally about what he was doing, I understood that this was some type of social justice performance piece uh, because he was going to rallies. He was performing um, as Jesus. He was speaking to City Hall, to the mayor as Jesus. And so I knew it caused a lot of controversy and a lot of debates in Seattle and beyond. And uh, I knew he Knowing him, I knew he would have some deeper kind of philosophical reflections and intentions on why he was doing it. So in this podcast, we sit and we talk about that. We talk about a bunch of other stuff, um, but we do get into why he has become uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, I think it's dope. I think it really, it really brings up a lot um, about what comedy is about what righteousness is, about what spirituality and religion is, um, and secularism in the modern world. So I really enjoyed this conversation, and I think you will as well. Thank you for your continued support. Don't forget to go on Patreon. The link is on our SoundCloud. You can give a dollar a month, $5 a month, $100,000 a month. You can give yen you can give uh, euros. You can give uh, Malaysian ringgit. You know what I mean? So um, that helps us maintain this and go across the world and sit with the most interesting human beings on earth. And there you are. There you have it. Path and present. One love. Check, check. 
So yeah, we are here. Like all of the podcasts that I do are on one laptop and one USB microphone. Mm. And before we started recording, we we're just talking about the fact that technology is such that I mean, just on our phone that we carry around in our pocket, we have a more powerful computer than the most powerful computer in the world was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, right. whole, And it was the size of a whole building. Right, totally. And it's like, you know, and just with social media and all that, it's like, if you have something dope to say or you have something dope to do, like music, visual art, anything, I mean, you can easily... Make a million dollars without leaving your room. Mm-hmm. That was the premise of the conversation. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, you know, we're in our studio right now, which I built for about 500 bucks, um, not including the equipment. Equipment was probably about 1000 maybe 1500 mm-hmm. But point being is like with two grand, I have pretty much a fully functional studio in here, and I can welcome any guest to come in and make high-quality music. Mm. art um and i just you know i love the fact that we can do that now and i can take my phone and go on the road and share with you a journey you know um right yeah you can shoot high high definition video yeah yeah man i mean now we're talking about 4k on your phone so it's like high quality video and and yeah it's great i think it's gonna get even better but at the same time, there's a lot of, as the technology increases, right, I feel there's a lot of drawback as far as what needs to happen in order to maintain this kind of consistent technological progress and how it affects the third world or other parts of the world that really don't care about these gadgets, you know? It also makes me wonder, like, maybe we care so much about these gadgets because we lack the kind of communal... Right. You know, that gives life value. For sure. So now all of a sudden we want to be a megastar or, you know, whatever. So tell our story, whatever it might be. I think it's interesting. Like there's just just two things at play. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, there's all these things. I've been thinking about it. Like they're like give laptops or give smartphones to like, you know, children in villages in Africa. Like if they just have that, they'll be set. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, that's dope. Give them that. Sure, I'm not saying right. don't necessarily, but yeah, there's this idea we measure progress in these really strange, tangible, material things. Right. Like you've made it now because you have a straight apple. Right. <laughs> right. 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 And, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, man. I think. <clears throat> I think it fills a void. Um. And it gets filled so fast, so rapidly, that we don't really take the time to actually question what that void is about, um, and to see if there's something that you know maybe maybe there's nothing that can fill that right. from the outside. Yeah, right? there's definitely like momentum now. I mean, there's no turning it back. Yeah, you know, like this whole VR, virtual reality yeah. stuff, and then augmented reality yeah. glasses and all that. Pokemon like, Go. Yeah. yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> I was just talking to my sister, and she was like. Is that still a thing? Because it's crazy, like, the news cycle, like, Pokemon Go was, like, every new, all the news was talking about it for, mm-hmm. like, maybe two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I literally haven't heard anything 
for right. like six months. Right. I don't know. I think it's it became. I think why it was so popular is because it was the first of its kind, or one of the first mm-hmm. of its kind that became popular. Augmented reality game, Pokemon is super popular. Um, but then you know it wasn't that. I'm sure you experienced Pokemon no, Go. No, I didn't actually. It was. It wasn't that. I mean, you know, I can tell like eight bit. It was like yeah, freaking yeah. Atari. It was like Atari. Man, it's the pong of of augmented exactly. reality, right? So it's like it's cool for a minute, but. I think people are are really waiting to see what's coming down the pipeline. And then, you know, you talk about um, cameras where, you know, you're moving the camera and you can see 360 degrees and they're only like 500 bucks or whatever. And it's just like, and $500 is not like that's not a lot of money, but, you know, considering what you can do with that. Right. I can go to like Iceland and stream live like 360 degrees, you know, on top of a mountain. I mean, yeah. No, it's, it's never been done like that. And, you know, you think about advancement. I can only imagine what's going to be down the pipeline in a, in a few years. The only thing, like, the, I, I don't know if it's a downside, but because everybody has the tools to create and there's so much content coming out, it just becomes a, like a, a static noise. And, you know, like Pokemon Go or whatever, there's like this super fast turnover news cycle like mm-hmm. the new album oh five days no one's talking about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. five days everyone's talking about it then it's over you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. or whatever game or whatever movie or whatever television show um you know there's this really radical turnover and like as a musician you already know that now it's really hard to get people to listen to a new musician's art like if you're not familiar with the artist it's like who cares about you know what you need to get new people to be interested is visuals. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing you have to have that like stimulation of not only your the audio but visual. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's a trip, man. Yeah, I remember when I was at your house in 2015, and I stayed with you for a few days mm-hmm. in Oakland and. Uh, Periscope just came out. Yes, that's right. And and we were periscoping at the top of the hill or something yeah. and, and doing some stuff. And I remember, I remember being like, "This is cool." And you know, year and a half down the road, everybody's got some kind of live services, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Instagram. You know, Periscope is pretty much equivalent. It's not. Yeah, it's just, 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 like Facebook is essentially Facebook Live. So I think I think as far as like the quick turnover for media, like what I see happening is as far as like it being saturated with content, mm-hmm. I think that's good because um, even though it's a lot of content coming at you, it gives everybody an opportunity to have a voice and also gives the exemplary artist an opportunity to rise to the top, right? So it's like... You know, if I'm making songs and I'm putting out content, I'm just like, I'm just like, damn, there's just too many rappers out here, right? But if I do something unique and creative, it's going to force me now to kind of look deeper, to create something with more impact, right? Like maybe there's something I can say that nobody else can say. You know, I'm an Indian American rapper, so I can rap about curry or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that might work. But I've had to now kind of find out because it's too much. I can't just rap about, you know, hot 16 you can't do that right you know um you can and if you're that dope it'll carry you through you know like i think 
the quality kind of carries, right? Like, so Joey Badass is someone who's like 20, raps like he's from 20 years ago. And there's a lot of people who still do boom bap rap. What makes him so good? Well, it's because he's that good, right. you know? So I feel like there's that's good. And then I think the future of media, as far as like the quick turnover is concerned, I really feel the future of media is live media, um, <clears throat> which I think is great because it cuts a lot of time and equipment off. You know, now you're not needing to go home, edit, color. I mean, I think eventually get to the point where you can go live and it'll be editing live. Right. Like you'll be like filtering your content live right. with like visuals or well, whatever. Yeah, and with in virtual reality, like it'll be an immersive environment. Like say if you're yeah. in the studio recording a new track or freestyling or whatever, right. I could put on my VR goggles and be in the room with you. You know it's what I mean? Crazy. And, like it's too crazy. that's how I was about to be, bro. Right. I was the craziest part for me this summer, I was in Konya, mm. Rumi's hometown. It was really, mm. really beautiful. But I went into the the phone store to get a sim card like a turkish sim card so i could use my phone while i was there Mm -hmm. and in there they had vr goggles okay so the first time i ever put the virtual reality on was in this ancient city of the great mystics and i'm just tripping out like wow what is what is this world that we're in like you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. this global thing is it's everywhere bro there's no escaping it yeah 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 yeah, and um and it was really deep because, like, I was swimming with whales in that thing. And, like, mm-hmm. you, you're, like, but you look up wow. and it's, like, the belly of a blue whale. And you feel the immensity of it. And you look down and there's, like, a baby whale beneath you. And it's, wow. re- like, everywhere you look, you're in this the ocean. Mm. Have you have you put them on yet? I have not put them on yet. Um, I've experienced something similar. I mean, I've definitely dabbled. You know, you can't get away from it, man. It's mm-hmm. all over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's only going to get more popular, obviously, and, and kind of, um, you know, more and more um, just everywhere. Yeah. No, and so it makes me... There's this music video by Pearl Jam called Evolution. Mm. I don't know if you remember it. It mm-hmm. was animated. And um, it's a really cool visual um it's like a cartoon or whatever but in it it shows the evolution of mankind and there's this part where there's this like just obese consuming american with his vr goggles watching porn Mm -hmm. eating chips and like you know it's like he's totally plugged in and um you know it's it's there's all these like kind of like predictive ideas about what this is going to create and yeah, I can definitely see it being like the minority report thing, right? Where you just take a drug, put your VR on, and you're not even where you're at anymore at all. No. You know, your your consciousness is pretty much shifted to a whole other reality. Any world um, you can imagine. Yeah, it, but it's not real. It's not real. So it's like there's just got to be something to it because to me, I'm just like, okay, like this is the ultimate. This is the ultimate form of of pleasure seeking, right? right because right. at this point, you're I think the whole point like of what Buddha and others were talking about, about desire, was like it brings you out of the present moment. Mm. And, and in the present moment is really the gift of life, right? Mm. And we're just continuously ripping ourselves out of the present moment. And I feel like that's almost like the final straw, right? It's like, I'm out of here. I'm putting on a VR set. I'm, you know, gonna, I'm sure soon there'll be like a sensory chip where you... Yeah. Now I can feel it. You know, yeah, they're physically. talking about suits where like you you feel you wear them. Yeah, while you're watching the VR. So like, 
you know, somebody touches you, you feel it. Or like somebody shoots you, it goes pow, you wow. like you feel it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jeez. And then they also they have these like things you stand up in that like you're strapped into. It's not like an escalator because like a bowl shape. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like a treadmill. I mean, it, it's like bowl shape, mm-hmm. but you have special shoes so you can run in place. Wow. So you're like running around this world, like you're you're it's, you're moving your hands, like you, you could catch a pass in the Super Bowl. You could like storm the beach at Normandy, right. And like start blasting people, and your, your <laughs> right, homies right, next right. to you getting blasted, and yeah. you like pick them up, like no, right. Or like wow, bro, you could you could go anywhere on Earth, or you could you could go to like nineteen twenties Paris with and have a date with like a candlelight candlelit joint and be in This is Paris. the Matrix. Dude. You know what I mean? Like this is the Matrix. But, but the thing is is like if your life is kinda whack and you work freaking like you're a teller at like Chase Bank. Right. You know what I mean? And right, like right. you work <laughs> right, nine to five and like <laughs> you know, you're an accountant at freaking some law firm or something and like you just hate your life and you're overweight and so like you you know no one's checking for you sure and you don't have that many friends you're kind of antisocial right plug that joint on it's over man yeah and you, immediately you can be whoever you want sure like you, and and so i think it's going to be like worse than any like heroin or cocaine yeah, or meth definitely. epidemic yeah, like there's going to be people strung out like yeah that. yeah i think so and I, I don't know if you see minority report or you remember it's the part a long time ago. like there's a part where you know it's in the near future and there's vr and and like a certain kind of drug where you basically inhale it and it, you, you, you know, you're basically transported into this, whatever you're watching, right? Mm. So dude lost his daughter. And so every night he puts on the set and reruns this video, takes the drug and reruns this video of his daughter playing like near the lake, right? And this is the cop, right? This is somebody who has to go and kill people. And... Obviously, no, you know, you don't know what's going on, right, at home or whatever. And eventually, he gets in trouble because of whatever. Um, pre- they have like a predictive robot or whatever, right? That can like intuit who's gonna kill you next. That's right. So, but point being is that like there's drones in the movie. There's VR in the they movie. They saw a lot coming. Huh? They saw a lot. There's a few movies, man, that really, really. Amazing. I think. I think Minority Report. People should start watching that. Yeah. People should watch Children of Men. That movie was incredibly powerful. I just rewatched it today. I'm just like, wow, this is just too real. That was like ten years ago, right, or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. All these movies. I never were like saw over that ten one, years ago. I heard that it was, one was really super good. Dope. Yeah, I saw that actually at uh, Asher's house, a mutual friend of ours. I uh, feel like maybe I did see it. The, the whole thing is like. No one can have a child, right? Is that the yeah, one? Yeah, Children of Men is. There's yeah, no. Yeah, I think no, I did see that. And the, then there's the, like the wars. oldest person is like 18. And there's like wars, right? And then like right. water, yeah, yeah, I did resource, see that. resource wars. I mean, you know. And then I saw what else did I watch? You know, I'm kind of like post Trump. I'm like getting my whole post apocalyptic video. Right. I mean, the Matrix on, right? has always been super on point. Matrix is pretty much on point. The the Mad Max, the la- the latest yeah, Mad Max was dope. really powerful too. Um, if you can survive the noise and yeah. stimulus, <laughs> right? But um, but uh, but you know the story behind it is like kind of ecofeminism, right? And it's mm. battling patriarchy mm-hmm. and capitalism, and they're kind of what is it about us as a human race? But it's not just like you and I who tend to be like super in, like critical mm. of you know civilization as it exists mm-hmm. and where the direction is going, mm-hmm. but just like. All these dystopian movies, mm-hmm. like, 
how many come out every year and like box office hits. Sure. Right? There's something about like the human race, it seems that like end of the world, freaking whether it's aliens coming or freaking earthquakes or something. Mm-hmm. There's something about us that like. Something's going to happen. Yeah. We right. like intuit or we crave or we feel, we connect on some level with this idea of like the end. Mm-hmm. Or something visited upon us that disrupts this whole thing. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, I was like, why do they only air negative news? Mm -hmm. Like, why don't they air the monk who went down today and fed a kid? That's happened. That happened today. Right now. It's probably happening right now. Yeah. So it's like, why is that not, you know, on uh, Facebook Live or whatever? You know, why is that not on 6 p.m. news, right? Mm -hmm. And um, he told me, he's like, because we're attracted, humanity, humans are attracted to um, to disruption. Yeah. Um, because we've mastered this. We've kind of mastered the three-dimensional realm as far as your basic necessities are concerned, right? Food, water, clothing. I mean, we did that thousands of years ago. We pretty much had it mm-hmm. on packed. And as far as the earth is concerned, we didn't really need to do much else other than that. Because we're supposed to be the stewards of this earth. Mm-hmm. And instead, of course, uh, we went the way we went. And I feel like there's there's nothing attractive about th- just kind of things going okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, because then what's the point, almost, to the ego, right? Um and when we were on tour earlier this year, we were on tour and we were on the road for two months, <clears throat> and we did everything from, you know, live, you know, go to downtown L.A., rock a show in Venice, to camping in like Jasper, you know, like out there, and and just having the experience of getting out of the city, then coming back, and then visiting people's homes and living with different kinds of folks, different environments, you know. From a nuclear family to a single, you know, like a single single person to uh, you know communal living or whatever, to the campsite, and just kind of like experiencing all of this and just realizing, like, I was a city slicker. I'm just like, wow, I don't know shit. In the in in the wild, it is so pristine. It's so pure and natural. It's so clean. It's so it's so relieving. Right. It's so relaxing. It's mm-hmm. just so comfortable. And I'm just like, I would I want to live here, you know? I want to live here and visit the city, not live in the city and visit nature. Mm-hmm. Um and I could even do without visiting the city all too much because if I have a really good strong group of people and a good community in in this kind of environment, I'm just like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. This just doesn't even make any sense. Why would I invest my time, energy and and spirit into this? Um so I feel like I feel like we're in a very very interesting time. Technology is going to advance, and I think it's going to stop because it won't be sustainable. And then I think, as far as like the the dystopia apocalypse stuff, I almost feel like we are kind of headed there, and and we're kind of like ahead of the curve a little bit, and kind of know. Well, what do you mean it's going to stop technology? I think eventually. Um, because we're doing it from a from a a split men, mental mm. perspective. We're doing it out of out of individualism. We're doing it out of greed. We're doing it out of of competition um, and lower consciousness, essentially. 
So I think that this planet is, is evolving and um, it's not going to house that kind of vibration anymore. And so it will play itself out and whoever kind of figures, it's, figures out how to escape that or has already kind of set themselves up to, to be away from that will be fine, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's coming. Yeah. And I think a lot of prophecy, indigenous prophecy, and on the road, we learn a lot about those indigenous prophecies say, speak on that, specifically the Hopi prophecy. Hmm. Yeah, because you guys, so it was you and a group of uh, musicians, artists mm-hmm. that went on this. It was really kind of like a kind of organic, like grassroots tour. So you went in different communities. You went to different reservations and stuff like that. What, mm-hmm. was, the, what was the concept behind the tour? Yeah, it was the Graffiti Village tour. It was the first tour of our company. We founded a company... Um, I guess last year, um, called Indie Genius Media. And the concept is to tell stories that aren't being told, pretty much, and to, to help um, change the human narrative, essentially, especially indigenous wisdom. Um, and that goes for all indigenous people all around the planet, you know, um, not just Turtle Island. But since we're from here, we wanted to give respect to those folks. So we went on tour, uh, we booked a few shows, we booked a few speaking engagements and um, got us some housing on a few spots. But other than that, we really did kind of um, kind of go kind of by spirit, follow spirit. Um, and because of that, we were introduced and, and welcomed into places I don't think we would have been and learned a whole lot. Um, and were part of ceremonies and conversations and dinners that were just transformative, for sure. Totally changed my life. Um, and... Uh, and so, yeah, it, it was it was really beautiful. We learned a lot about sustainability, and what I feel we we tapped into is is a growing trend in human consciousness that is really kind of refocusing on self care, self sustainability, working with community, and tapping back into nature and really kind of connecting. Yeah. So we did a lot of that stuff. It was, it was dope. Yeah. No, I feel that too, man. All the circles, like in my travels globally, mm. it's like everyone I meet, they're into like permaculture, they're, they're into like getting off the grid, mm-hmm. they're into, mm-hmm. okay, you know, how do we create an alternative world? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. art and culture and, you know, anti-war and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 And then... And the cool thing about like all this technology stuff is like, you know, I feel like there's that kind of like global, urban, um, young people movement where if you're in Kuala Lumpur or you're in Istanbul or you're in London or you're in uh, Belgium or really any city we're kind of all tapped into the same experience, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though we're from different places. Sure. Which is, this is like the first generation in humankind right. that it's like that. Totally. Because it wasn't like Absolutely. that for our parents. No. Like your experience was very much confined to where you are. But like totally. us growing up in this kind of like, and we grew up on the cusp of it too, because right. the crazy thing is like, we grew up before the internet the internet Mm -hmm. i mean it kind of comes out when we're like whatever in high school Mm -hmm. and then social media comes after high school for us right college you know what i mean exactly so i'm thinking about like the fact that because i was with my friend dave and his girl uh the other night and she's like five years younger than us Mm -hmm. so her call her high school experience 
that was like MySpace and Facebook and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. is a trip. Right. Because I was just thinking, man, thank God we didn't have that when we were in high school because we were <laughs> wilding out enough. I don't need that right. like, preserved forever. Totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Oh, man. But I mean, think about these young kids in middle school. Like, all we could do is like, what was it where you could like tell your homie to be quiet because you're about to call this girl? And the, you know, you th- three way, you had the three way. Oh, right, right, you know right, 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 like, right, Yo, right. Hey, what's up? Right. That was like the worst you could do. Now it's like video, everything. Totally. In the palm of your hand, in your bedroom. I mean, yeah. It's scary. It's wild. It's wild. And, and uh, I work with kids and middle school kids too, and young young ones, and it's just really scary. I mean, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic about it, but I don't believe uh, how we have um, come into technology is the good path. You know, I don't. And so I feel like as it invo- as it evolves, it's not going to necessarily be a positive thing for our species. I think the science stuff for medicine is great, and I really want to see that happen because pain is something that you know we should relieve but um pleasure is not something we should necessarily seek as much especially if it causes pain right and specifically i'm talking about our planet i'm talking about animals on the planet i'm talking about people in the third world indigenous people who uh don't have access to or don't care for or are the victimized slave class to create this technology that's why i don't think it's good um it's not coming from from a good space. I think it's coming from fear. I think it's coming from, um, you know, kind of uh, a patriarchal, patronizing, uh, violent and aggressive mm-hmm. force. It's just greed. Like, greed, yeah. Okay, because that's the thing, man. It's like one of, one of my teachers, he said, we're the same human beings that we've already always been, mm. but we, we used to have lances. Like if me and you had beef... Like we get on a horse and sure. just lances or bows and arrows or whatever. Right, right. But now we have hydrogen bombs. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. the tools Drums. are just magnified so crazily. Like mm. we're the same, you know, people that have ego and have, you mm. know, jealousy and have club. all that right? stuff. It's a club each but yeah, it used to be like yeah. a club. And now it's like, nah, dude, I can walk into a crowded place and blow everybody up. Like yeah. it's just crazy. And so technology is a tool. Right. But it's super neutral. You know, like it could right. be the worst thing or the best thing. Just totally. like any tool, a knife. Like you can use it to freaking make a tool to like help people to, you know, cut something down to, you know, move something out of the path. It's harmful. Or you could just sure. slice somebody's throat. I think that's so important. What I've learned in the last year, 2016, is that life is that. Hmm. That li- every moment of your life is essentially a knife. And are you going to feed the village or are you going to kill your relative, right? Um, And that gives you a great deal of responsibility. It also, I think, takes a lot of the victimization off of people and gives them some empowerment to choose what they're going to do. Um, And then also, I think it empowers oppressed people because it shows you where you actually are oppressed. Like, this is where I really cannot make a decision. Mm. You know, if, if I'm an abusive relationship, right? This man will, will physically kill me if I don't, right? So there's something about that because we can talk about self-empowerment, but if, if you don't have that access, it's improper to speak on it, right? right. But I think, um, I think uh, just to touch, touch back to, to the quickening, right? Um, and the tools of the quickening, you know, like they call it the quickening, in a lot of the indigenous circles that we were really yeah 
What does that, that mean? Well. That things are going to speed up pace at the end of time? He, at, at basically, there's a spirit world and there's a physical world, mm-hmm. right? And they're always connected. And the spirit world is always trying to create itself in the physical world, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're in a quickening where the spirit world is, is going extra ham, trying to get the physical world to manifest what it wants to. Mm. And in the process, it also has to kind of purify itself. So they, uh, on, one, uh, on one token, I heard it called the quickening a lot. And another, I heard it called the purification. So where a lot of the parts of the human collective consciousness are going to kind of crop up and finally, finally blossom and be done with. And I think you're seeing that around the world with this right-wing turn pretty much everywhere. Um, I think you're seeing like the end of the, you're starting to see the death of the human ego, right? I mean, Donald Trump, the, the perfect, in my opinion, expression of, of United States of America, you know, a rich, straight, white man who was born into wealth and who uh, doesn't care about anybody but himself, doesn't even care about his own family members. So to me, I'm just like, well, He's kind of the perfect person to play this role right now. Right. Um, and he's the straight ego. He's the manifestation he's of it. the collective lower nefs. You like ever the, seen Le- a Lego movie? No. Okay, you should watch. It's really good. And there's in it. There's I think it's called Mr. Business or whatever. Mr. Company. He's like the big <laughs> evil guy, and uh, he's hilarious. totally Trump, dude. He's wow. totally that guy. He's like you know a baby boy in a in a big right. Oz like. And it's crazy, man, because, yeah, 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 I mean, it's just wild that, and, you know, a lot of it comes back to, you mentioned earlier, fear, you know, um, these type of kind of right-wing, authoritarian, uh, almost comically (laughs) simplistic type of people or, or com- comically simplistic in the the solutions they offer, mm-hmm. they rise up in times of in instability and mm-hmm. fear when mm-hmm. people are like, "Yo, we're afraid, mm-hmm. and we want somebody to make us feel safe." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's like right now in the Philippines. I don't know if you follow, but the president, he's a yeah, wild ass dude. Yeah, like he he's is. like he says crazy ass stuff. Like yeah. he, his whole thing, like his running for president, he was like. Yeah, I'm going to kill all the drug dealers and <laughs> drug yeah. addicts. Like, I'm going to kill them, not right, lock right, them right. up. Straight up, yeah. And he said crazy stuff. Like, he's like, I personally kill people with my own hands. Right. And, like, his favorability is, like, through the roof. Like, people love sure. him in the Philippines. Yeah. And a lot of it is, like, because there's a lot of social ills, a lot of problems. Apparently, a lot of drug use and, and drug dealers running wild. Mm-hmm. And so he's just like, yeah, I'll kill all those people. Mm-hmm. And it'll be better. Right. And so people are like, okay. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the th- the world is starting to see that the neoliberal order is is um, pretty much dying, and that's that's a whole global restructuring. I don't yep. think people really understand yep. that. You know, Trump winning is a lot more of a shift than we think in ways that we might not even expect. You know, I mean, of course, he is the you know flag bearer of white supremacy at this point. But at the same time, he represents a discontent with the global order. Yes. And it's important because he just became the president of the strongest nation in that order. And what does that mean for that order? What does that mean for the, the elite banking class that has been behind the scenes of every war on the planet for 100 years? You know, what does that mean? 
what does that mean to them? You know, this guy wants to buddy up with Putin and their whole their whole um, strategy is against Putin. So how is that going to work out? They've created their entire military structure to combat Putin, Russia, China, uh, and anybody who's not of the Western NATO, even even NATO, they're going, they're ready to go against. So to me, I'm just like, what are we walking into into in this year? Um, you know, uh, it's right, it's going right everywhere, not just in 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 the countries of empire, but even in the colonized nations, like you're saying, the Philippines. Look at Modi in India. He's a hyper nationalist, mm-hmm. um, Hindu nationalist. He's essentially is a fascist in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at Israel. I mean, that's always been the case, but hyper right wing mm-hmm. um, in Israel. Um, uh, Erdogan, you know, in Turkey. Um, Putin, you know, I mean, it's just everywhere. And I think like every country is basically like, OK, it looks like it's about to be the big showdown. We're going to pick our bulldog and let's see who can win the fight. You know, Um it's a scary time. And then you're coupling that with the technological advancements, right. with the massive inequality, and then you couple that with the climate change. And, and, and what all of these indigenous folks were saying on the road about the quickening is that, like, as the world quickens, you should slow down. So the indigenous wisdom is to leave the cities. I did not read one prophecy that said the cities were redeemable and were capable Amazing. of reform. You know, that's what the Prophet Muhammad said, too. I, he so, said at so, the end I'm of sure. time, yeah. he said at the end of time, the Dajjal, this kind of like antichrist order, is going to be concentrated in the cities. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you know, remove yourself from that. If yeah. it, and if it means, you know, work the land or have your goats. But there you can preserve some decency and some some tr- traditional way of being. What else can you tell me about what the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi said about that time? Yeah, he had, there's, it's, it's not, the Islamic tradition has a whole lot about the end of times. Mm. Um, you know, so there's some like very specifically interesting things that were written down 1400 years ago, which are like hard to explain away from a materialist perspective. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like, like the prophet said that um, at the end of time, the Dajjal, who is like this representation of his, his, his name literally means Messiah Dajjal. So it's like the, the false Messiah, hmm. Interesting. the imposter Messiah, wow. the imposter Christ. Right. So we can get into that. Yeah, we can in get second. into that. Yeah. But, you know, and it's this idea that there's a great order at the end of time that, and and this imposter Christ, mm. we, you know, the Prophet Muhammad said he will fly, he will like fly th- uh, from cloud to cloud on a metal donkey with hmm. a wide wingspan. Wow. So he, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so the, imagine 1400 years ago, the Arabs, the simple Arabs. Air he's, Force he, One? He's talking about <laughs> yeah, Air right. Force One. And then... You know, and then he said, um, he said, the end of time, sign of the end of time. Oh, because you know what they said? A man came to him and said, when is the end of time? Mm -hmm. And uh, the prophet said, the one questioned does not know more than the one questioning. Wow. Yeah. So he said, okay, well, tell me what are its signs? Mm -hmm. And then he gave a few. And some of them were like, are like kind of like mysterious sayings. Like he said, the... uh, the slave will give birth to her master. Like, what does that mean? And there's a lot of commentary, 1400 years, whatever that means. The slave will give birth to her master. 
And then there's another one, which is actually much more concrete. Mm. And for 1,400 years, they were like, what does this mean? And it's only in our time where they... The slave Right? That's a powerful... Yeah. But he said, the destitute, barefoot Bedouins, the desert people, at the end of time, they will compete in building tall buildings. It's just like, wow. And now Dubai, Dubai and even Mecca itself, these like yeah. gargantuan despicable it's clock tower grotesque. which literally yeah. shades the the Kaaba and Paris Hilton stores in it like if this isn't this is it and so it's really powerful because like on outwardly especially like if you look at this the state of the Muslim world like of all the conflicts on earth like they happen right in this historical moment mm. like pretty much the vast majority of them are in the Muslim world mm. so like yeah. for Muslims it can just be like dude yeah. Like, it's too much. It's tough. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then when you, like, really start reading these things, you're like, well, this is as the prop, you know, it's all coming to light. But there's also, and there's this, there was this idea that the, the prophet said, like, there's kind of, like, a moving away. Like, the modern world is built on this idea that we're progressing, right? Mm -hmm. We're moving forward. Like, this is since the Enlightenment in Europe. It was this idea that, no, no, we're getting better. We're getting better. We're moving away from our superstitious, ignorant ancestors. Mm -hmm. But all pr traditional civilizations, from what I can tell, they pretty much have the opposite idea. Because what they say is the, earth, the ancestors knew the truth. And they were communing with nature. And they were, you know, they were the evolved ones sure. or the enlightened ones. Sure, yeah. And so throughout time, there's a moving away from that. But that there, a lot of these traditions have cyclical, that it will come back. Sure. Or things like that. So like in the in India, <clears throat> you know, Hindu tradition, you have the idea of the yugas, these mm -hmm. great time periods. Right. And it's Kali like, there's like the gold in. time, then the silver time, then the bronze time, then the stone time, which right. is like, you know, if you talk about the first yuga, it was like everyone was an enlightened master. Like we were mm. more spirit than even physical. Like mm -hmm. it was this time of great, and then move away. And then now we're in the Kali Yuga, which is the the time of darkness, materialism, war, violence, forgetting our true nature. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you mm. know, so it's interesting if we take a more like metaphysical, spiritual look at like, you know, the end of days within the kind of, abrahamic traditions and then but then there's this idea but then the return mm -hmm. there's like this second coming which will kind of revive mm -hmm. the the good mm -hmm. so this idea yeah that, and then so like it's interesting the the prophet was saying like um there's a true revival like the messiah the the, the messiah mm. but then there's the messiah dajjal the false messiah and mm. he said re really interesting things he said the 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 Dajjal, the imposter Christ will have two rivers. One of them will be fire. One will be water. Hmm. But the the river that appears to be fire is really water, hmm. and the one that is water it's really is fire. really fire. So drink from the one that's fire. Interesting. Like in all these things, and huh. and and they said like the Dajjal will will be able to kill and bring people back to life. Really. And uh, all hmm. these other things like that. Wow. All these other things. So, yeah, it takes a little bit of, I mean, it takes a little bit of reflection. Like, what could these all mean? Because a yeah. lot of times, you know, like any prophecy, they tend to be in, in 
almost like Zen Cohen language. Like sure. it could be interpreted a whole lot of ways. Right. But I mean, some of them are pretty like clear too. Yeah. Like, and and yeah. I think there's a couple too that if I can recall that uh, Prophet said as well was that um, something about the scholars having uh, more control mm. than the faith itself. Mm. Something about the mus the mosques will be full of people. The mm. masjids will be full, and they will all bow, but they will not be bound to a law. Yeah, that's true. There and is then, about and that. then the, I think another one I remember was um, the prophet saying that Africa would be a place where humanity kind of re mm. wow. restructures. And I believe I was with Sirhan mm. hanging out with, with those one. guys. But don't quote me on that. But there is a lot of prophecies, shared prophecies that I've heard about Africa mm-hmm. um, being a place where um, kind of kind of a re-energizing of human consciousness. And I do think I want to talk about this the Jesus thing too because yeah, it's a good time to transition. Yeah, to because. Um, you know, what better time to have them, right? <laughs> yeah, so for those that don't know, I mean, and I don't know, I haven't really talked to you about it. I've just mm. seen on social media and seen some, like, newspaper articles about, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, there's my boy right. <laughs> as yeah. Jesus Christ. Right, it was right, really right, good. Right. right. Um, so so what happened was uh, a few years ago, I started growing my hair out uh, a few years ago, and um, <clears throat> a good friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, Julie, Julie C., was throwing a show at Black Coffee Co-op, which was a, a co-op, a collective co-op that got bought by some activists in Seattle after Occupy Movement. And she was throwing an event called Church, and it happened about every, you know, one Sunday a month or something. And I was just putting out a mixtape called Cats. I was really excited about it. She said, you can come out and perform. And I was getting kind of like jokes. Every once in a while, that would look like Jesus, because I have a beard and I'm a brown man with long hair. And... Um, they're, you know, oh, Jesus, Jesus, right? So I was like, well, you have an event called church. I might as well do it, right? So I kind of made a little quick costume, and the performance was really, really good. It was, like, really funny. And I was like, there's something here. There's some, like, social justice performance art that I can do because it's getting attention in ways that uh, just as a rapper, you know, I couldn't get, right? So I was just like, let's see what I can do, you know? Let's find out. I put it down for a, a long time. And then um, my hair started growing back again, and a bunch of activists were organizing uh, called Block the Bunker Coalition and the No New Youth Jail. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with what's going on in Seattle, there's this huge development going on. It might be the fastest growing city in the country. I've heard it's up there. Um, and there's also hyper-militarization going on with a new, school pri- a new youth prison and the biggest, most expensive police station in the country is supposedly going to be in the North End. So Yeah, somebody told me that Seattle locks up more youth than any other city in America. I was like, what? Wow, I'm not too surprised. I mean, um, and I think a lot of them don't even get placed as youth. I think they get placed as adults even. So, yeah, so there's all this going on. So the city hall is meeting and the city council is meeting. So there was a bunch of social justice performance art that was happening on one of the meetings that was talking about it. Um, a bunch of folks were going to dress up as youth prisoners, some as cops, and they were going to give their two-minute public statement as kind of like a testimony, right? So I thought, well, let's bust out the Jesus and, you know, add on to this to, to it. 
the moment there's something about it it almost felt like it had to be i don't know because the moment i walk out i walk right onto the light rail and someone from the stranger charles mudede is there he's like i gotta cover this and i'm just like cool so he takes a picture interviews me real quick by the time i'm in the meeting the article comes out so already there's like reddit there's a reddit repost about there's a muslim jesus in seattle the, the actual uh actual thing he said was spotted on link light rail Mos- your own very personal muslim jesus or something like that right so i'm just like okay here we go um anyways i did my part and it went off well the city council really didn't know what to say because they've seen me say stuff as an activist, as a community member for 10 years, so easy to just rub me off, right? right? But when I'm dressed up as the son of God, who half of you are supposedly, uh, you know, followers, followers of, right? I'm just like, you know, like, this ain't Twitter. I, some other followers is going on over here, right? And so what I was able to do is I created a character, um, and I started reading about Yeshua, right? Isa, mm-hmm. who we call. Um, and learning really learning about him because what happened is after that day i walked by myself which i do not suggest on broad daylight through seattle dressed up as jesus the responses were incredible for the most part people were just pumped smiles (laughs) honks what's up jesus people who i know for a fact would not like me liked me police Mm. officers liked me Mm. i mean this is incredible experience i'm having also he's a trigger so it wasn't positive all the time some people uh, you know, someone really wanted to beat my ass, For but real. luckily I performed a miracle, <laughs> and, and and a good Turn friend water to wine, yeah, disappeared a, a, on a him. son was uh, was it, yeah, it was getting yeah. late. I was on Capitol Hill. A son was out there, and this drunk dude was like, "I'll beat your ass, Jesus!" And I'm just like, "I'm this is costume, dude." So so a son was like, "Just start rapping," and I just start rapping. Um, graffiti Village, and all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, a cipher appears. And this dude is literally like closed out of the side. The cops pull up. They're filming me. I'm like, this is insane, right? So rapping Jesus, rapping Jesus, right? Performing miracles, dude. So all of a sudden, I'm, um, you know, there's this momentum, and people want to know about it. And I'm, I've created a Facebook page. Um, Long story short, a lot of people wanted me to do this because Mm -hmm. it was edgy. I got a lot of good responses. I got a lot of critical responses especially from the Muslim community, because I'm Muslim, right? So I'm going to hear it from the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. So I heard a lot, a lot of folks hit me on the DMs. They're like, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. And so I was really, really didn't know what to do. I was really like, I don't know what to do. I asked my mom. You know, I was just like, well, you know, should I be, am I mocking the prophets and mm-hmm. all this and this and that, this and that. And she's just like, I think you should, uh, you know, I think you should do, you know, I think you should follow your heart and do what's best. But I think you should you sh- you don't have to do that in order to do what you th- what you're trying to do, right? Um, you know, she's like, just live by those principles. You don't have to dress up like him and make this huge scene. And I was just like, okay. I was like, what if I did both? So so I started learning about him, and in order to kind of make it lighter, um, I made the story where I'm Jesus. I'm returning. Like my dad would say, at the end of days, he's dropped me in Seattle because there's some really bad stuff going on. But I started to play him by the character that I started to read about him. He was a common man. He was illiterate. He was um, a spiritual man. He was against capitalism. He was an oppressed Jew 
uh, under Roman occupation. Under Roman occupation, and I and I read Zealot, which gave me a great um, perspective. Yeah. It's yeah. written by Muslims. Yeah, as well. that was a well written book, man. Very, very. I read that journal. and it and it it carried me. Yeah. Um, totally, and so, um, I decided to call the character Josh because Yeshua was his real name mm-hmm. that we know of, at least, and Yeshua would have been Joshua. And Joshua short would be Josh, and I thought it'd be it's perfect to make him just a regular old Josh, right? <laughs> um, because Jesus or Yeshua at that time was a very common name, right? Um, and Jesus is such a weighted name. Right? Jesus so weighted, right? Yeah. So I'm just like, how about Josh? You know, love Josh, right? And so I started really reading his stuff and living by his principles. And obviously, Christmas was coming up. Mm-hmm. We're in a room full of supplies. And uh, Christmas coming up, obviously, the, the, the supposed birthday of Jesus. Right. So I was like, well, now that I'm back, we're going to rebrand this thing. My name's not Jesus. I'm not a white guy. My name is Josh. And this is Josh Day now. And we're going to do things the way I want to do it. So instead of going to Best Buy and buying a flat screen, you're going to donate whatever canned goods you got. And we're going to feed people on Josh Day. So I started to work with people in my local community, my neighbors, because that's what he said we should do, right? right? So I started neighbor. working with my neighbors and to feed my neighbors. So for two months, we held potlucks and met and gathered a tribe of all kinds of people. I mean, of every person you can imagine. In South Seattle is the most eclectic area code, right? right. Well, we got them all. And, you know, we planned it and we got donations. We got financial donations. We got food. We got supplies. We got music. We did free. Everything was volunteered. The event was flawless. It was the most incredible thing I've ever been a part of. Um, and I was even intimidated to because the event was going so well, and I knew this was going to be a powerful event. The media was like interested in it and all this type of stuff. And as the event came, we were going to feed all the, the street community. We had bus tokens. We had clothes to give to people. We had fresh soup to give to people. On midnight of the day of, we were cooking the soup before the next day, right? Someone knocks on the door, drunk drunk dude knocks on the door, you know, backpack on, bloody, you know. We serve them from the day, from the moment up, all the way to midnight of when the event was over and we literally helped someone put shoes on her feet and walked her to the bus stop. We completely lived the philosophy of Jesus. Mm for that day. And um, I was intimidated to put on the costume that day because I was like, this is way bigger than this. Mm. This is way bigger than this. And we've come together. And I don't want to make this into some 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 cartoon. Mm. But what I realized is that people enjoyed it. People yeah. enjoyed the character. They had fun. All sorts of people were having fun. So I was just like, this ain't about me dressed up like Jesus and trying to make a statement. This is about creating a positive community vibe and a celebration mm-hmm. of community. So I donned it and, you know, Santa came and the elves were there and, you know, all this other costumey stuff was there. And we had people, uh, we had, we had, we had so many people donated. And, and at the end, it was just a glorious event. We served 150, 200 people uh, flawlessly cooking soup. It was the stone soup story in real life. Everybody pitched in a, a bit, and it all came together. It was beautiful. And, um, you know, at the end, uh, it just it finished off with an even more dramatic and impactful uh, moment where we all kind of embraced, and it was all the world's people, man. And the lowest of the low were there, you know, uh, um, 
so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, women in the street community. When I was outreaching to the street community, I was realizing how many men are in the street community, how many women are not getting treatment mm-hmm. because it's just too rough. And, w- you know, there were street community, there's women from the street community there. Not only were they there to enjoy, they were helping out, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and at the end of the event, people were congratulating me for days. And they're just like, good job, you worked real hard, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And I'm like, if you were me for the past month and a half, you'd be saying you're welcome. Because the amount of volunteering, charity, whatever you want to call it, that came from, no, from everywhere, the amount of people who said, I'm giving this, I don't want you telling anybody. The amount of anonymous donations that are in this room, the, the money, hundreds of dollars was given. Clothes, coats, $100 coats, uh, hats, uh, you know, food, gift card from the co-op, you know, uh, the whole village came together. Mm. And what it did to me, bro, and is... just super on the word of mouth, just community. grassroots. Not one corporate anything involved at all, okay? Completely for the people, by the people. For the neighbors, by the neighbors, for the neighbors. Um, people who didn't even have something to give gave and realized that they did have something to give. And my faith in humanity was completely restored after this event. Like, and it's not going anywhere. I've always had my doubts. I've always been like, it might be time to get out of this country. It might be time to, it might be, you know. But after this event and being a part of it and being really being like back end and watching people come together and trying to help, I have no doubt what works, what needs to happen, and that we can do it. So, I mean, in a nutshell, that's what we're, that's what the, the energy was behind it. And um, I don't know where it's going to go. I really have an ambition to write a musical called Jesus in Seattle, a really fun, I'm an entertainer mm-hmm. by heart, by mm-hmm. trade, by, I'm a storyteller mm-hmm. and performer. And um, there's certain things that I realized too, organizing this that I shouldn't be involved in. I'm good at getting money. I'm not good at keeping it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But what I've realized is that I'm good at entertaining and doing that vibe. And I want to maybe cultivate it into a, like a really dope musical, yeah. right? Kind of Hamilton-esque, yeah. but political. And- well, yeah, I mean... For sure, man, and and comedy is so important. Yeah, you know, because I was just thinking about it. Like, we'll never escape death. We'll never escape suffering. Uh, we'll never escape hardship. Life is a trip, dude, and freaking accidents and people close to you just like yeah. get freaking just getting pulled out of this universe. Yeah, in a blink of an eye. Sure. And so, but. If we can laugh about it and like tell jokes, like somebody was saying, I was listening to a podcast earlier, and he's saying there was this one dude who was like some witty, you know, one of these dudes who has all these quotes and like really intelligent, like deep quotes. But that his last words were he was sitting in like some hospital room or some maybe even in his house or something, and he looked at the walls and he goes, "Either this wallpaper is gonna go or I am." <laughs> that was his last Pretty word. much. Right? That was his last word. But like, so he goes out like making people laugh, you know, right. making it light. Right. You, <laughs> That's great. And uh, somebody also said, and I think this is true, they said a mark of a truly, true spiritual person, like mm. a truly enlightened person, is that they laugh. Mm. And and they and they, they don't get offended mm. because what gets offended is that ego. Ego. Like, no, it's me. Oh, no, yeah. no, don't you know who I am? Right. But like, if you could just laugh. And uh, I thought about that, too, because Rumi and his Mesnevi, like, as a great scholar, great mystic, 
but he tells a lot of kind of like little kind of like rated R jokes in sure. some of his poetry. Like, you know sure. what I mean? Because he's letting people know like this is real life. Yeah. But what I thought about when, when you're what you're talking about, one of my previous uh, guests, Gray Henry, mm. she said something deep, which is we all know it, but she just put it in a way that hit me. She said, pretend you were the holy prophet or pretend mm. you are the prophet. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, don't pretend. And then she goes, yeah, pretend. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if, you know, like Muslims are always talking about the sunnah, right? Mm-hmm. What's the point of the sunnah? Is what would the prophet do, do right. in this instance? Right. If he's sitting in this room in front of this person, how would he be? Well, first of all, he would give his entire being. He would mm-hmm. be completely present. Mm-hmm. And then if that person insulted him, what would he do? He would let it slide. Mm-hmm. You know, if this person said... You know, give me the shirt off your back. What would you do? He would give them the shirt on your back. Mm-hmm. And so, mm. and same, you know, even Christians now say all the time, you know, what would Jesus do? Totally. And the whole <laughs> path of the of Buddhists is we want to be like the Buddha. I right. mean, every path has the, the founder, the prophet, the avatar, the enlightened one who embodied the full potential of human existence. Right. And then the goal of saying i'm a muslim or i'm a christian or i'm a jew or i'm a buddhist is Mm. to imagine or pretend Mm. or try your best to be like that individual in every breath sure and so and muslims on some level like this is what i always found so beautiful about islam uh is that you be like all the prophets like be like jesus be like moses Mm -hmm. be like abraham Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but um and so, but yet it can become like whatever. Like, unfortunately, now uh, in the Muslim community, those dudes with like the big beards with the short thobes and with the tooth stick mm-hmm. and the whole thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, people tend to, you know, they have a bad stereotype of being like heck, super judgmental. Like, why are you wearing this? Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why is your beard not long enough? You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you could follow all the outward Sure. Sunnas. Right. And totally miss the point. Right. Real easy. But what your what your thing is 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 the deep thing about it is it causes a little like short circuit in the brain. You know what I mean? Because all Christians are like, yeah, I'm trying to be like Jesus. All mm-hmm. Muslims are like, yeah, I'm trying to be like Muhammad, who was like Jesus. So I'm trying to be like right, Jesus. Right, too. right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Totally. Because Muhammad said, like, Jesus and I are brothers, you know, mm. like like, you know, we have the same father but different mothers, or something like that. Mm. And uh you know, so the idea is like, yeah, but all of a sudden you're doing it in this comical way, which is kind of like short circuit. Because when I was thinking, when I first saw you, like, I think I saw the Stranger article and I started laughing because I think we always associate people dressed like Jesus with total, totally insane people. Sure. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. The dude right. with the end is nine. I'm Jesus. Right, like, yeah, I'm Jesus. Totally. Oh, I'm right. Jesus. Right, right. I'm right. here. Right. Follow me. Uh, but it's like, it's it's such a powerful you know cuz like what the I always trip out dude Jesus all right like you say middle eastern uh person under occupation from the west the right. romans are sure. occupying right. his people totally. right. you know poor like you say not educated in some elite institution mm-hmm. you know carpenter and speaking to the people those who were turned away those who were rejected by society like 
come with me. Right. Like, this is the path. Yeah. And no one will be rejected because we, you know, and that, that beautiful spirit, you know, and, and, and just pure positivity. And yet in America, you know, I grew up in the loose, loosely Christian, like so many other people mm-hmm. in the kind of liberal West Coast cities. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I didn't really understand Christianity that much. And I had a bad impression of it mm-hmm. because I didn't see a lot of people that were really like Christ-like. It mm-hmm. just seemed mm-hmm. so superficial. And then especially it's complicated by the fact that the people who like claim Jesus in America are these like right-wing yeah. freaking doesn't help ridiculous the yeah. like you know and like right. <clears throat> the big freaking mega churches in like some suburban parking like in a costco like right, your church right, is totally. like a costco yeah, yeah and yeah. like there's like no soul <laughs> in it it's just like this freaking yeah and then you know these are the people who are like in mass voting to uh remove regulations yeah. on the on the environmental protection right. and kill people in other countries mm-hmm. and let alone the social more social you know things so mm. but it's like how is that possible like if you really believe that god left you this earth mm-hmm. wouldn't you believe there's some accountability for how you deal with it there's there's and, and just the whole like what about the poor people like yeah. what about the people south of the border. What about the immigrants? Mm-hmm. What about those who who don't have all the rights? You the know, what would Jesus, Jesus really do? Yeah, like, he's wh- been the one. The orphans. The all. You know, it's so. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I told the city council. I'm like, hey, guy, and I do it in this very casual way. So the way I see it is like, I, I see myself as a divine clown, and. Um, and I think there's a role for that, you know. Yeah, and I the think that, that, that yeah, the, the court jester could always say things that other people couldn't say to the king. Right. Like he could clown the king. Exactly. And and, and I he could do, do that. it. Does it in a way that disarms. Where, right. Yeah. And that's what I've been able to do. This Jesus character disarms everybody, including myself. I, you know, like when when someone wants to knock me out because I'm Jesus, it's kind of hard for me to go haul off and sock dude dressed up. <laughs> Turn the other guy. Yeah, yeah. The, the gag is over at that point, right? So, so I have to be mindful, extra mindful when I don that costume to be extra Christ-like or Josh-like. And in this version of Josh, it's a, just basically the, the character is like this guy who's like, what's going on here? Like, you know, like, you know, there's people who ain't even got food and you're trying to put $160 million into a police station. So what I'll do is I'll go to the council and I'll say it just like that. I'm like, listen, guys, my dad is pissed. <laughs> you know, he sent me back. Um, I don't know what you're thinking, you know, putting kids in prison. You should just be feeding them, you know. there's That's a lot of money. You could be feeding them and, you know, there's this indigenous folks here. You treated them horribly and you're still treating them horribly. I mean, dad is pissed. And half of you guys are supposed to be, you know, on the team. So so I started to, I started to actually creating a, the actual principles, right? It's not Jesus. Apparently, Jesus Christ in Christianity is not doing the job. So Josh created Team Meek, which is hashtag Team Meek, which is just the neighbors Team of all Meek. religions and all the, the all the faiths. Some people are agnostic, some people are Muslim, some people are Christians, some people are, you know, Jewish, Buddhist, uh, Ifa, or whatever. You know, I mean, of all of the things. Um, some of them hate Jesus. I had some people who hate him and gave me $100 because they know that I was going to go feed poor people with it. And so they're just like, 
well, you go do your Josh thing, but I can't be there for that. I, you know, but but the point being, right, is that it causes this this it does cause this little this little short circuit because for the Christians who are supposedly all Christian like, and here comes a Muslim who is dressed up like your guy and is doing what he said, and you don't do that, right. is like a total check, right? And I'm not doing it in a way where I'm just like, see, you're not feeding him. Right. Jesus would. Instead, I'm totally just celebrating the shit. I'm just like, yeah, come eat with us, man. Come on. You got some pot? Come on. That was the whole energy of Josh Day. And I think that's what was so beautiful about it. It was completely open. You could be anybody. Okay, you could be anybody, and you could go in there, get some food, listen to some music, you can grab the mic. Um, Which is clearly, I mean, would Jesus be any other way than that? I mean, you know what I mean? Would right. he be like, no, only some people. Like, come on. There only were, people who believe in me, no. Right. And, and, and reading that book put it in perspective, right? Like, like he did things that, that um, his supposed Jewish counterparts were not willing to do. Even though all of the Jews technically were oppressed by the Roman occupation, yeah. well, there was Jews that were even more oppressed. There was Gentiles that were even oppressed, and all this other thing. He would go to them. He would go to the, like, the, like they say, the prostitutes and the the lowest of the low. And you know, when we did the event, you know, we we got bus tokens and we got people to come go down downtown on Christmas Day. There's a lot that happens for people who are in the street community. Right. So we sent people down to bring them up. There was a woman, the first guest that we had was at 9.30. Our event didn't start until noon. She was sitting there. She did not say a word. She was outside. It was freezing cold. And one of one of the, one of of our um, volunteers was like, yeah, it looks like we already have a guest. I'm like, no way. So I'm not dressed up as Jesus or anything. I'm mic checking and getting tables ready. I'm like, well, come on in. You know, We're not going to let anybody go. It's cold out. She sits. She doesn't say a word. She doesn't say a word for hours. Doesn't have shoes on. She sits in the corner. Woman of color, young, um, sits in there. We don't know her name. We don't know anything. We, we're giving, offering her food. Meanwhile, this incredible event is happening around her, right? It can, incredibly more and more and more positive energy is happening. People are singing, so she starts dancing. And at the very end of the event, after all is said and done, and people are slowly starting to leave, and we're start, you know, getting the event packed up, she runs up to me, and she hugs me. And she starts crying. And we both start crying. And we're hugging each other. And I'm dressed up like Jesus Christ, man. I mean, this is a bizarre experience, okay? But this woman, I found out, has been outcasted by the street community. She's, she's, um, she's not, uh, she, she has mental health issues. And she set some homeless camps on fire during the summer. And she got kicked out by the homeless community. So this woman is literally on the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. She cannot speak, almost catatonic, okay? And she just breaks down. And um, it took me somewhere else, dude. You know, after she, because she just hugged, we hugged, she cried, nothing was said. She got, she did her thing and she just went back. And at the end, she wouldn't leave. It was now 11 o'clock at night. Everybody was gone. The volunteers had cleaned up. Everybody was gone. This one woman would just not leave. And we're all around her. We're like, look, you have to go. She would not speak. She would not, women are singing to her. I'm, I, she asked for Quran. I brought Quran down. We say Fataha. Everything. You do the whole nine, man. Okay? And, and, and she just would not leave. Finally, someone in our, room, in our building was like, look, you're going to have to call the cops and, and at least get a crisis person to come help you get this person out of here. So it was the last option. Mm-hmm. We called the cops. Cops come. They didn't send a crisis person. 
They sent two cops. One of them was okay. The other one was a complete ass. And I did not want to let them in the building. Okay? I was like, let me figure this out. We're still trying to get her out. She just would not move. Eventually, someone lets the cops in. They come in. And the nice one is trying to talk her into getting up, not working, to take her to a shelter. Finally, you know, the bad cop is like, well, we just have to grab you and take you to jail. And we all looked at him. And it was my call, right? And I was just like, you know what? Are you still dressed like Jesus? No, I'm not. <laughs> this would be completely bizarre. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not a costume and, and, and all that. Um, and, and, and I look at the cop and I'm like, you know what? You're good. You can go. We'll figure it out. So we, the best feeling in my, in my life was to mm-hmm. kick those cops out. Because mm-hmm. um, I could tell that they were going to mistreat her. Mm-hmm. And the moment they left, she got up. She stood up. And the volunteer friend of mine who brought her in earlier and we walked her out she did not have shoes our another friend put her own shoes on this woman's feet and we walked her and it was midnight it was at the end finally the whole day had passed and the 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 person who let her in at the beginning you know was like you stood up for her about the cop thing you know and she was like because you because you stood up for her she stood up for Mm. herself Mm. And that was a very powerful moment for me. I mean, the whole thing, man. Mm. The whole Jesus thing has been incredibly Jesus-like for me. Um, and it's been nothing but charity and giving. And I've seen the beauty of people. That they would not look at me in this way. You know, I know some white folks, some rich folks, some cops would not look at me like that. Right. If I was not dressed up like this person. But right. it softens them. Right. See? So because it works. I want to continue and see where it can go. But I want to be respectful, you know, completely respectful. But I think now a lot of people who are in doubt of what I was doing it before are like, okay, I see, I honor that and I respect that. So we'll see where it goes. But it's it's very, very powerful project. Yeah, that's heavy, man. And I turn 33 next year, so I don't know if that's... Part of the deal, man. I just don't want to be that fake messiah who's flying the silver donkey. So I won't be playing. I won't be. I won't be getting on the plane, man. I won't be getting on the plane. Nah, but man, it's powerful. I mean, yeah, I th- I could see how people could be like, oh, this is like, what are you doing? Like, it's, you're just mocking Jesus yeah, totally or whatever. Yeah. But the way you explain it, I mean, t- well, you know, I love performance art. Obviously. I mean, we're artists. We're sitting right. in the artist loft. You right. had the totally. event in the artist loft. Totally, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. and I know also your art, I think like from what I've seen from you, your art is at its best when it's, because um, it's always going to be like conscious social justice, mm-hmm. trying to awaken people. Mm-hmm. But I think the way, when, when you do it with like humor, yeah. and there's a real power to it. Works. And I think t- too, man, like... You know, even that like "Love and Light" song, which is you know one of my like mm. most beloved songs. Yeah, like love the, that song. the people are always like, "Oh man, can you do that? May your chicken be halal song, right? right the one right. line that's like right. clowning, like it's just funny. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like I mean, right? Like, there's some serious <laughs> right, still totally. out, but that one is like real, you know, man, playful, totally. And there's something about that, mm-hmm. and you know, I think a lot of people in our time have are you know lose lose hope in religion even that term religion i try to avoid it because it's so weighted right but Mm. like we kind of lose hope in the fact that because there's so much 
just corniness and fakeness and negativity done in the name of the prophets and mm-hmm. in the name of God. Mm-hmm. That, you know, anything that can cause people to like pause and reflect, you know what I mean? Right. And see things differently. Um, you know, and it's deep, dude. And so you've got something that is is making people reflect in a different way. Yeah. And plus the point that you're like, you know, a brown skinned Muslim right. doing it. Like right. there's totally. heaviness in it. That's there dope. Is. Like there's there's layers of social commentary which are really strong. Very like and I'm American, right? So it's like I'm a Muslim American. Mm-hmm. I am I am, you know, I am Juma and Space Jam in one person. Yeah. Right? Like I, you know, I I did it all. We did it all. Yeah. So, so to me, like I'm very much in the Jesus culture because I'm American. I mean, I know more about Jesus than I should, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> and another Jesus that might not have really been right the real one, right? Yeah. So, I feel like I feel like I don't like, and as a Muslim, right? Like, you know, not to be negative, but we hear so much about being Muslim that to me, I'm just like. I'm just like, okay, you're not going to tell me anything about me dressing up like Jesus, are you? Because there's a genocide going on on my people right now. So to 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 say this is problematic while we're actually living by his values right. is should maybe hopefully give you a man in a mirror moment, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of does. See, the thing is that I didn't want to, like, have, a little bit way through here, I didn't want to do this anymore. I was scared. For my own safety, I was like, well, a Muslim Jesus. I mean, you know, that's kind of saying something on Reddit. And, you know, you read the comment section, it can get kind of concerning, right? I didn't want to do it for that. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to dishonor my religion and the people who are in my community. I didn't want to be disrespectful to the people in my community. Um, and I also, I just didn't want to be in the limelight like that, dude. Like, you know, I'm kind of growing out of the whole the whole desire to be, you know, acclaimed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I find more value in just the intimate relationships of life and nature. And that's what I want to put my energy on. But I'm also like, well, I want to do this with a community. And also, um, like people really enjoy this, like, and it softens them. I mean, if people's shields are dropping because of this, can it be bad? You know? And for those who, who are questioning me and who have been, extra critical about why I've been doing it. Can you not see what we did and not be happy? I mean, people left with a full belly and a full heart that day and a full bag of stuff that they wouldn't have got um, because it all started with an idea, you know? And to me, I'm just, to me, I want to leave the space to see where it's going to go. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a trip, man. I mean, <laughs> we're in strange times. I yeah. mean, bro, the quote-unquote value voters, mm. the Christian, the right-wing Christians, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they voted in block for Donald Trump. Right. The first person who, <laughs> as Sam Harris says, probably the first atheist president in the United States. Like, I mean, wow. he claims to be Christian, but... Sure, yeah. I mean, He's a capitalist. He, he said, he, he yeah. said, my favorite book... The is Bible. the Bible, Love and it. then is uh, is uh, my book, Art of the Deal. Right. Those two. <laughs> yeah. Like, he puts him in the same category, He's the bro. perfect person to do this job, man. You know I mean? swear, he's like the perfect expression of this country. 
But you're right. I mean, the fact that you have Christians, right? This shows you, man. I mean, once the prophet is done, is, 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 not, is no longer here, mm-hmm. it is very easy to distort. Turn it into whatever you want it to be. And you read Zealot and you realize, like, wow, this guy, whole story has been distorted. I mean, you know, from what I know of him, he was like basically a magical fairy who right. floated around and healed people and was like, okay, bye now, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll be back mm-hmm. type thing. And, and you realize, like, this dude was a revolutionary. He was a, he was a community organizer. He was pooling money together and feeding people. Like, he was, this is what he was doing, you know? Yeah. Um, and you realize the context in that book about how the, the kind of uh, wealthy class of the, the Jews right. around the temple were serving the occupying army. Right. And in a way that was like, basically, they were like, you know, just like the co- you know colonizers did, like British colonial, they, they get like the, the local, mm-hmm. you know, you put up your puppet mm-hmm. and you train them to be like you mm-hmm. and to serve your interests and mm-hmm. oppress their people on your behalf. Herod. So that yeah. was what like these, the whole temple had become that. Right. And so it was a time period of intense social upheaval because it wasn't just Jesus. There was all these like messianic figures right. who were like attacking cats and like stabbing, you know, other rabbis at the temple. Like you're yep. a sellout. Like there was all these kind of like the whole kind of like what we have today yeah. where you have everything from, you know, your armed socialist radical to your, you know, can we just get Bernie in please? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and we live in that environment, right? Like the Herod, King Herod building the temple. I mean, you look at like, Israel now, and you look at uh, Net- Benjamin Netanyahu, and you're like, this is Herod, dude. This guy's, and this is, the, this is King Herod. Trump is your Caesar. This is, very, this is Rome too, is what I kind of started hashtagging, because I was like, this is Rome too. This is the second version. Matter of fact, that's what I said to the council when I went to speak to them. I was just like, this is looking a whole lot like where I came from, just with like, you know, computers and fast food, pretty much. Um, and I think it's important because it's like 2,000 years later, we're still dealing with this kind of situation. Um, but the scarier thing is that now it's with, with a lot more advanced technology and connective world. Yeah. This makes you wonder where we're going to go. Yeah, I think uh, I saw this painting by Banksy. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, it was like Jesus and Mary were like trying to whatever walk from like Bethlehem to Jerusalem or whatever and they were they couldn't because the, the, the Israeli wall, wall was <laughs> yeah like, totally and it was just like wow I mean yeah. that's the power of art yeah you know and I think right it slept on a lot like how powerful art really is totally and um I think people who are super offended by what you're doing they are ignorant of that they're not sure. understanding that and it's not like you're just like anyone who sees it as just mocking is is really not thinking too deeply about right, it. Right. You see what I'm saying? If mm-hmm. you were just doing it to like get likes on freaking Instagram. Right, totally. Okay. Yeah. But like no, you're actually going to City Hall. Yeah. And like speaking on behalf of the the meek, right? Right. The downtrodden, the outcast, the right. ones that Jesus would speak on me. I was ready to flip the table, man. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Den of thieves. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and, and feeding people, man. And, and so I think it's dope because we need more of that. And I think the problem 
religion, the bad, you know, religion at its worst is people that lose the spirit of taking care of the poor, mm. the widow, mm-hmm. the orphan, mm-hmm. the oppressed. And they get caught up in all these like kind of obscure theological debates. Mm-hmm. Like, right, no, right. I'm right. No, you're right. No, Ego. You're, yeah. you're going to hell. You're a heretic. You're you're an infidel. You're a kafir. Sure. You're this and that. No, that's wrong. That's haram. You're this and that. Right. And meanwhile, what are you doing right. for humankind? Right. In what way? You just walk past a poor person. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, it's deep. And I bet for you, like, I, I hear you in what you're saying, like, it causes you to check yourself. Like if you're dressed like Jesus and somebody's like saying you MF this, whatever you're going to, it's like maybe you Jamil Suleiman in your street clothes would be like, let's go. Right. Yeah. But like when you're Jesus, like, no, I can't, I can't. And so it's calling you to really like WWJD. Yeah. (laughs) And what I realized is that like Jesus probably would have maybe ran away. (laughs) You know, because uh, I don't want to cause harm, but right. I also don't want to be harmed. And there's really no need for this right now. Right. So after the whole cypher thing, dude, I dipped. And I was like, okay, I've had my Jesus moment. Come to Jesus moment. <laughs> and now it's time to go home, right? Um, and it, I, earlier this summer, after we had gone off tour, I saved a bunch of money and quit my job. And I was working with Creative Justice. I was going to teach in the fall in Juvie. And um, I would, I, I just hit a point where I was just low on funds, super low. Like I had no money. And it was so low that I was like starving. And I was just like, damn, you know, like this is rough. I could easily ask folks for some money and get at least a bowl of food because it was like that Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I'm going to run this out and see if I can live. So I went to the food bank and I did all that for, you know, it's only a few days that I really lived like that, maybe a couple weeks to week. And there was a moment where I was on the bus because only food bank was in the north end in Wallingford. And I hadn't ate maybe like a day. It's a long time not to eat. And um, I'm on the bus. And I don't know if you've ever been hungry like that, but I have the privilege to have not experienced life like that early on in my life. You know, mm-hmm. it almost had like a Buddha moment where he's seen the dead body mm-hmm. and he's seen the sick person and he's seen the old person. Like, like I was on the bus and I was just so hungry and i was so tired and i was just i was just down dude and i started crying i was in the back of the bus i was like so hungry and and i looked ahead of me and there was a guy going to the food bank homeless dude and i know he's homeless because he's wearing all of his layers and it's july okay and i'm looking at him and i'm like this guy's in his 50s no one gives a shit about him he can't call anybody Okay, I'm presuming this is all assumptions, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go ahead. He's wearing all his clothes right now. He's going to the same place that I am, except he has no, this, this is not a, this is not, um, this is not an experiment for him, right. right? And so I'm in line and just that day and just that moment changed my life so dramatically. I said, I will never, I will never walk by anybody again and at least not acknowledge them, at yeah. least not acknowledge yeah. them. And if I have something in my pocket... Even if it's a little bit, I'm going to give it. And so when it came down to this Josh thing, that was carrying, that that feeling was carrying me. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, I know what it's like. Even if it was just one moment, that's all I needed. Wallahi, bro. All I needed was that one moment to know mm. that that should not be the way. 
There's no way people are feeling like that. And there's people buying phones. You should not be able to buy a phone until that person has ate. Then maybe you can buy a phone. I don't care how hard you've worked. But this person should at least eat. And then maybe you can get your, get your gadgets and stuff. This is why I'm scared about this technology, you see. Because we're, we're doing this before we're even doing this. We put the cart way before the horse. Not, at this point, there's not even a horse there. So, so that energy carried me. And that's why I think there was a strong, powerful movement behind it. Because of where I was coming from. There was a real... There was a realness to it, and uh, it will never leave me, and I hope to to just be mindful and present and, and more helpful as I get older, for sure. You know? mm. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's beautiful, man. I mean, what would Jesus do? It's like uh, Amir Suleiman, he, uh, he told me that, you know, he used to walk all the time before he had a car. He's like super into walking. He would just walk miles like all around Oakland and stuff. Mm. And uh, he would always have his like his thicker beads like, you mm-hmm. know, and just kind of like under his breath, remembering Allah. And then he had this thing where if anybody were to ask him for anything like bag while he was doing that, mm-hmm. he was just like, I couldn't say no because what am I doing? Like right. I'm remembering God and then I'm saying no, like. So then he would, oh, he would say that whenever I was doing, making dhikr, I would always give. But then he got to the point where he was like, well, why would I only do that when I'm doing that, when I'm, you know, clicking my beads? Because the whole point with clicking your beads is to be in a constant state of remembrance. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to never say no. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, to be in that practice, man, is, uh, is really deep. Mm-hmm. And... You know, when I was a teenager, it may even been the time around the time that we met. Mm. You know, I, we were making some super like leftist political music. It was mm-hmm. just around the time post nine eleven, beginning of the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. We we're like teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Super fight the power. Mm-hmm. And we made this album called Guerrilla Music. I remember that album. And we used to. The whole concept was we made an album which is all super message music like anti-war, you know, anti-police brutality, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then we we had like even a kind of manifesto that we put in the mm-hmm. CD. Mm-hmm. And we and so people could read it and we used to the whole thing was like this is for the people this music. Mm-hmm. Like it's not for profit, but if you respect this art and this message, you can give us whatever you want, mm-hmm. but it's free. So mm-hmm. we would go we, all the festivals and just on the street, like mm-hmm. we would go hustle CDs. Right. I mean, that was back in the day when people used to hustle CDs. Right, but right, we were right, on right. some like, we'll give this to you for free. Sure. But if you got five or ten or one or if you believe in it. And that taught me a lot hmm. about because a lot of people treat you like you're a subhuman. Mm-hmm. If you're like, you know, like, hey. Yeah, totally. Like people are like, get out of my face. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or just energetically like, no. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. Super closed. Mm-hmm. And that taught me <clears throat> from that day forth, like, <clears throat> if anybody ever, like, says, will you give me something? Or even those, like, Greenpeace people, they're like, hi, will you sign this petition? Sure, sure, Do sure, you sure. have a minute for the environment today? Or right, right, right. Um, I'll always look them in the eye, smile, at least. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, if I don't have anything or if I'm in a rush or whatever, I'll just say, no, but thank you. Right. 
just honor their humanity because totally. what I learned when I was hustling CDs is like, if somebody would just be like, nah, I'm, I don't have time for that, mm. but for sure, yeah. like, honor you as a human being. Total game changer. Like that's all, that's, that's way more important than giving money. Totally. It's just honoring your Absolutely. humanity. Yeah, totally. And I think for people that are on the street and people that, you know, are looked down upon by society, the vast majority of interactions they have are people like, trying not to see them, trying not to acknowledge their existence. And what does that do to people, man? And so, (laughs) and meanwhile, a lot of those people not acknowledging their existence or, uh, you know, looking past them or scowling or whatever, Mm -hmm. they they go to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. They go to mosque on Friday. Mm -hmm. They go to temple on Saturday Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think, unfortunately it can become real detached. It can become real detached. But but even though, I mean, it brings up some serious things because like I remember when I was in Egypt and there would be like people begging and you got little kids. Like in America, you don't have a lot of little kids begging. Like no. you go to the quote unquote third world, right. you got kids missing yeah. limbs and you're like, damn, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, like you want to give something, right? But then yeah. you give something and like the swarm of like hundreds of people, totally. like, give me, give me. And you're just yeah. like, damn, like, like what can I do? Right. So you feel kind of like, I'm going to not do that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to give in other ways because it's just too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I mean, the same type of thing. Like you mentioned, that woman who was downstairs. Mm -hmm. And you were like, I mean, I don't know what you were like, but there's, I'm sure there was part of you that was like, yo, maybe she's got mental health issues. Maybe she burned down the last place she Mm -hmm. lived, but like, maybe she could just live in my, or stay in my spot today. Sure. sure. You know, there's this thing, but then you're like, but then you're like, but. Where do I draw the line? Like, right. because you know, I mean, what would Jesus do? You right. know what I mean? And there's, but there's this also this level of like, yeah, but you got to be wise because you can't just give all your money to like everybody on the street and this totally. and that. And yeah. I, I worked, uh, you know, downtown emergency service center when I was younger, mm. um, at social work as a social worker. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And uh, work in homeless shelters and then work in transition t- transitional housing for people that been on the street for a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's, there's like. At that time, there was like seven or eight of them around Seattle, Mm -hmm. mostly around downtown. And the philosophy of of Downtown Emergency Service Center was like, just get people in housing. Mm -hmm. Don't say you have to stop using drugs. You have to stop drinking. Don't say any of that. Just give them housing. Give them something worth keeping and then let them come into it. Because a lot of these like transitional housing or like centers for former addicts or or people on the street are like... If you get caught with drugs or alcohol once, you're out. It's over. Yeah. And that's understandable too, because there's a whole long line of people that sure. want to get yeah, in. Totally. So it's yeah. but the philosophy behind this was like, no, just like, you know, be more compassionate and just mm-hmm. and I would see those cats and that live there every day. Like I was working the front desk and I would see them make their signs, go, you know, on the stand on the corner, get their change, come back buy a 40 ounce or a tall can of 211 mm-hmm. and like you know what I mean? Like yeah. throw it back. Right. And, you know, so there's this desire to be like, well, you know, part of me at that time was like, well, I'm never giving to people bagging on the street no more because they're just using it. Like, you know, that's the philosophy. People think that don't give. They justify it to themselves by saying, well, he's just going to do it to buy drugs. Drugs, right. But then, you know, Sheikh Yasser, one of the beautiful teachers in Oakland, Sheikhs, he would always say, look, just keep change in your car on you. Just a small change even. Just to give to people. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, don't say, oh, he's going to do this or that. 
Because you're not asked what he does with it. Mm-hmm. You're just asked what you did with what you have. Right. You see what I'm saying? And that's that's you, deep. That's liberation. That is like so I'm deep. not asked about that, you know. And to give with love too, because there's energy. There's 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 a whole, you know. So, yeah, man. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, man. Uh, I look forward to seeing what comes next. Yeah. What what Jesus does next? What Josh <laughs> does, man? Because um, I could definitely see a, a rapping Jesus, man. A, a rap song, a dope music video. Yeah, uh, we're 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 in the works. <laughs> Trapping for Christ is in is 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 uh, is in the ta- is on the table. Um, I really the the folks who helped organize this event really were inspired, and the things that they said were. This gave me an opportunity to give. Um, this is something we should do more often. Um, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, a lot of very powerful things, you know, and it was so simple. And yet, because we just went and did it, we showed that it could be done. And that was, to me, the biggest thing. You know, coming into the Trump era and, and this, this very question mark world that we live in, it was very important for me to reinforce to me, to, to my own self, that there's hope in humanity. And I was completely, like I said, there's completely restored. Um, without a doubt, even. Matter of fact, when a doubt comes, I'll know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So I um, look forward to what will happen, not only just with Jesus, but just in our city. I feel our city is going to be a very powerful, um, very powerful force against the Trump administration. Um and a force for peace, love, equality, justice. Um, and I think, you know, whatever little role Jesus can play, he had a big one before, um, <laughs> you know, we'll do it, you know. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I really am excited about a musical, though. I think, to, for me, that's what I am, you know. Like, like you know, you take away the world's problems and, and, like, what would you really do with your time? Dude, I'm a performer, entertainer, man. I want to make people laugh. I want to make people dance and sing and um i feel music humor food these are the things that help people soften and connect because it's something we all share i mean in the end dude we're all one we're so much alike it's ridiculous that we're even fighting it just shows the immense power that the creator has to give you the opportunity to be this ignorant right um so so but we're so well connected uh regardless of how we might be confused about it. And I think it's just becoming more and more evident and we're going to do really, really, really good, positive things from here on out. Amen. 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 Yeah, I mean on Let that one, church bro. say amen. See, with the love and light, and then you add a little bit of laughter at the end, it's a full meal. That's it. That's it. We got it. That's it. That's it.